Welcome to the Brave Church Podcast. We are honored you've chosen to listen and pray you're blessed by this talk. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit bravechurch.org. Uh, last weekend, we began a new series called A Good Life. I mean, who doesn't want a good life? And so we are all in search for happiness. We're all at different stages and ages of our life and what we think happiness looks like, what it will bring us. Uh, but we all want to live our best life, and we're all learning what that really means. And so in this series, we're going to the wisest person to ever walk on earth, Jesus Christ, to learn what he has to say about what that looks like. He's actually given us eight Eight specific things of if you do this, you will be blessed, happy, and you will have a great life. But we all want that. But his words, Jesus' words are very extreme, and they're really a a revolutionary view of the way to look at our lives. And so our challenge today is to rethink our position on what attitudes in my life at the end of the day will actually produce a good life and what that looks like. So today we're going to pick up where we left off last Sunday in Matthew chapter 5, verse 4. There are program notes. You can follow along, take notes as you will. Uh, But let's begin with Matthew chapter 5, verse 4. It says, blessed are those who mourn. That right there is different. (laughs) Blessed, happy are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. There are two types of mourning that Jesus refers to. There's mourning over loss, and there's mourning over sins. It's a radical notion, this idea of mourning over my sins is a way to find comfort. You know, most people live with the assumption that we should try to hide our sins, right? Not like openly mourn them, but Jesus knows us, and he knows that no one can hide their sin and be truly happy in life. Isn't that true? I mean, it takes a lot of effort and stress to cover up and hide your stuff. And Jesus says, a happy person mourns their sins and finds a whole new level of peace and comfort in God. And so there's something very healthy about coming clean. I don't know about you, but if you've ever had a moment in your life where you were carrying something and it was a burden to you and uh, maybe it was embarrassing to you or whatever, and you finally unloaded it, you finally came clean, you probably experienced an enormous rush of relief at that moment. There's something about, we have a saying around here, we walk around with the doors wide open and the lights on. We tell everything, we're honest, we want to walk in the light with you, with each other as a community and as, a, as believers. But the thing is, is, is when you do that, when you unload something that's been hidden or it's been in the darkness of your life, there's a sense of relief that comes with it. And last Sunday, we, re- we read the verse before, it said, blessed are the poor in spirit. In other words, blessed are those who are reliant or dependent on God. Now, that one is easier for me. In fact, just a, a warning ahead of time, as we go through these verses, you're going to find some where you go, oh, check, I got that. That's all right with me. And then other things is going to hit you a little bit harder. So blessed are the poor in spirit, those who are reliant and dependent on God. That one is easier for me. The idea that, that I'm not good enough is easier for me to swallow. I get it that I'm not God and that I'm powerless. This one today is a little more challenging, though, because admitting I'm powerless and I'm not in control is easier for me than admitting and mourning over my faults and my failures. You know, most people are really quick to say, hey, I know I'm not 
perfect, you know, and then, you know, but, but to say, hey, I know I'm not perfect, and then to list a specific list of reasons why you're not, <laughs> that's a whole other thing. Like, I don't know about you, but in my years of uh, following Jesus, and maybe you're new here today, we welcome you, you're, you're, we're so glad you're here, but kind of being around church life a little bit, I find that people are really quick to say something like some general acknowledgement of, yeah, I know I need help, but they never tell you why. <laughs> they don't get like, like, here's a specific list, you know, I struggle with lying, I struggle with this, I struggle with that. You know, it's like, yeah, I know I need help, as if they made some major confession. You know, we're all sitting there going, oh, I wonder what he struggles with or what she struggles with, right? But Jesus' path to comfort and hope is entirely different than our path to comfort and hope. He says, blessed, happy are those who mourn. And the truth is, I don't want to mourn. I don't want to feel bad about my faults. I don't want to mourn the past. I don't want to think about the things that hurt me in the past. I just want to move on. I don't want to spend time camped around my hurt, you know. In fact, I don't even want to take responsibility for it. I want to move on as quickly as I can. I want to make it all about them and what they did and what I thought they said and what I thought they did. And then I just want to kind of move on. And certainly, I don't want to mourn the fact that maybe this habit has gotten a hold of my life or that I can't seem to get rid of it or I can't control it. I just want to confess, you know, ask for forgiveness and repeat. You know, wash, drain, rinse, repeat. I want to distance myself as fast as I can from my sin or my hurt. And I certainly don't want to, you know, as Jesus says, stop and mourn my sin I'd rather move, right? God's way says, the minute that I admit that I see my hurts as mine and my sins as my own, the moment I stop and I actually begin to mourn them, that God will meet me there in that place of of humility and brokenness, that he'll give me lasting comfort and some lasting relief. So here's what I'd like for you to see. I have a path to comfort, and God has a path to comfort. As a human being, I've learned to develop different paths to comfort, and all of them have to do with how quickly I want to get to a place of comfort, how fast I can comfort myself and then move on. So when I feel stress or I feel rejection or or insecurity or loss or pain, you know, whatever triggers that, I need to comfort myself quick and fix it and then move on. So I go to something or someone or paths to comfort and give me hope, and we all do that in various ways as human beings. Like, for example, I, you know, I don't feel good about how my day went. I need a drink, feel a little bit better. That, that drink becomes my go-to for my comfort. Or I've got lots of stress right now. I'm just going to take a pill just to, just to calm down. Uh, or it might be gambling. It might be, you know, I, I just, I hope for a better future financially. I'm stressed out about our debt, but I have a really good feeling that this time, this time I'm going to win. Or maybe it's just the adrenaline of the gambling that I just escape for the moment. I, I forget about everything else and I feel comforted in those moments when I'm gambling, just the anticipation that I could win. For other people... When they feel, be- they feel better when they go shopping, right? You know, I just, I'm depressed, I'm discouraged, let's go to the mall, I'm going to buy me some happy, right? Or I just need to feel better about myself. 
For some people, it's sex. For other people, it's pornography that comforts them. Or, or maybe it's a relationship. Any escape from your reality that gives you comfort or relief. Whatever it is, it makes you feel like life is a little more exciting in that moment. For some of us, maybe it's just, you know, hey, did you hear about the Netflix series that just came out, you know, or this good movie? We're going to binge on that series or whatever. For many of us, we are aware when we're seeking comfort, and others of us haven't connected the dots yet. We just think this is normal. This is what all human beings do. Like, we haven't thought about that I'm trying to comfort myself. It's just I I enjoy these things, and it gives me a great life. What's your path to comfort? Every one of us have at least one, maybe multiple. And lately, I've been kind of watching what what I'm eating and uh, losing some unwanted pounds. And and, uh, I made the mistake of asking my wife, Tracy, to kind of keep me accountable. That's not really good in a marriage, by the way. And so this was on Thursday evening. I had two really long days, and I was just really tired. And it was evening, and you know I just needed a little energy, and I and I you know I, I wanted to comfort myself, and so I wanted some carbs, right? I want I wanted a snack, and I wanted to I wanted to make myself you know feel good. And I looked over at Tracy, and she gave me the eye, you know the eye. And so I just started singing Alabama shakes. Don't want to fight no more, no more. Don't want to fight no more, no more. Don't want to fight no more, no more. And I've kind of found in our marriage that when I start to sing and then dance a little bit, it usually changes the subject, <laughs> right? Just a little key there, try it. You got to pick the right song, though, and the dance moves have to be really good. Not all of you will be able to do this, okay? <laughs> Still, there are other paths of comfort, right? I mean, when faced with a challenge uh, by someone to grow, somebody challenges you, somebody holds you accountable. The idea is, oh, I can flee, or I can quickly flip, spin the story upside down on its head, and I can say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. You wouldn't believe what they said to me. I'm a victim here. You know, they want me to grow. They want me to mature. Therefore, I'm a victim, right? Others of us, we go to self-pity. You know, believe it or not, there are people who the worse they feel about themselves, the better they feel about themselves. We're broken. And so when people, when life becomes too much, we throw a, a pity party. You know, we go home, we close the doors, we pull the blinds, turn off the lights, put on some mu- music, and then we begin eating enormous amounts of chocolate, right? And you begin to feel better for a moment or two. That's your path to comfort. For others, it's, it's the demise of others. There's just something about, did you hear about so-and-so, and we begin to minimize them in some way or gossip about them, or it kind of gets, gets that feeling off of us and our own stuff and our own sin, and we're talking about their sin or their stuff or critiquing what they did or what we heard about them, and there's a little bit of rush when you're doing that, comforted by others' faults. Some eat to escape, you know, comforted by food, you know. Uh, it's how we deal with disappointment. Let's eat. It's how we deal with rejection. Let's eat. It's how we deal with the loss of a loved one. Let's eat. The Warriors win again. Let's eat. That's a lot of eating. You know what I'm saying? Others of us, we find comfort in work. You know, I, I don't want to face my loss. I just, I, I just need to go to work. I don't want to deal with my emotions. I need to distract myself. I don't want to deal with this. I want to feel better about myself. At work, at least, there's something tangible I can achieve. And when you're talking to me about being emotional and being tuned to my emotions, I would just rather not do that. What did Jesus know? 
Jesus knew what we may not. We as human beings struggle to mourn our hurt and loss in healthy ways. We all are trying to find ways to cope with whatever it is we're dealing with. And when faced with something stressful, we always seek comfort immediately. Remember this word, escape. We try to escape to a place of comfort. When I fell in love, my first time I ever fell in love, I was 15 years old, and I'll be honest, I went to my room, I cried like a baby, it was my first time, she broke my heart, she was an older woman, 19, and uh, I didn't even drive, I had pimples, I was way out of my league, I don't know what I was thinking, they make comedies about me, you know, it's just like, it was just miserable, right? But I was trying to find comfort. Here's what I've learned about all the things that I think we, that give me comfort, they only give me a momentary escape. They give me no lasting comfort. And, it's, and if it is something unhealthy for me, it only makes me feel worse later. The truth of the matter is, many of you have already discovered this. Every one of us chooses a path for comfort. It's in our human nature to do that, to survive. But there's something that some of you know that others do not yet know. Living the good life will not comfort your soul. More of this will not comfort your soul. If I could just have more cars, if I could have more houses, if I could have more money, if I could have more clothes, if I could have, you fill in the blank, whatever it is, whatever more of this is, it will not comfort your soul. There's still you. We all need something bigger than ourselves, something greater than ourselves. To find comfort only in our own pleasure is a wasted, miserable, narcissistic life. Life is meaningless when you only consume it. Jesus turned the definition of happiness upside down when he said, happy people mourn. Really? Blessed people mourn, for God will comfort them. When you acknowledge all your personal pathways to comfort, and you see them for what they really are, you have an opportunity to mourn. Really? That's me? That's what I do? That's who I am? That's my heart? To get in touch with the reality, to see your life and to see your heart for what it is, when you do, it's just humbling. And sometimes when you look at your sins for what they are, it could cause you to mourn. That's not who I wanted to be. And when you do, Jesus says, I'll be there to comfort you. It's not just acknowledging, you know, the bad stuff has happened in your life. It's actually choosing to mourn what's happened in your life. It's choosing to accept these, these things that, that have really happened and to realize that this world is a disappointment on so many levels. This is not heaven that my hope cannot be found in this life alone, that I will not find full, complete satisfaction, no matter how good the motivational speaker is, in this life. I need someone greater than myself to call out to, and only the God of comfort, the God of all comfort, can comfort me now. And so all my pseudo-attempts at, at escape leave me in need yet again. You see, coming to your end is a good thing. 
Facing your loss, though painful, is a good thing. Grieving is a good thing. Stuffing is a bad thing. I don't know what you're going through right now. I hope you're going through a relatively easy time. Spring is in the air. I hope things are light and fluffy right now. I really do. I love those seasons. That's why I watch Hallmark. But you may not be going through that right now. Some of you came to this gathering, and you've got conflicts. There's internal things. There's chaos. There's confusion. Or maybe you just had a bad health report, or a loved one just had a bad health report, or you just got laid off, or you just had a fight with your girlfriend, boyfriend, or husband, or wife, or maybe the money just isn't there, and it's just gnawing at you, and you're under tension. Maybe someone wants your job, or you've had a loss in your life. You've had something that's caused you to grieve. Grief is a painful emotion, but it's a healthy emotion. Sometimes there's, there's nothing like a good cry. I mean, I cried all last fall watching my Niners lose. I mean, every living room moment, I was, I, 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 why did I record this to watch again? Grief is a tool that God gives us to get through the transitions in life. There's no growth in your life without change, but we don't like change, but you can't grow without change. And there's no change without loss of some kind. And to go through life without grieving, well, it it would be like a mother who says, you know, I really want to have the baby. I just don't want to go through the labor pains. There are two unhealthy reactions to your losses in life. One is repression and the other is suppression. Repression is when I unconsciously try to block out that painful moment or incident or situation in my mind. Suppression is when I consciously try to block it out, that painful moment in my mind. I'm just not going to think about it. I'm just going to quickly move on as if it didn't happen. And whenever it comes up in my mind, I'll just find some way to comfort myself to get past it. Both of those are forms of denial. When you go through a tough time and your heart is hurting and your heart is breaking, God doesn't want you to suppress it and he doesn't want you to repress it. He wants you to express it to your friends, and confess it to him. When you start to dialogue about it with the right friends, with the right godly people, the right mature people, well, then you're on your way to recovery. If I don't let it out, I'll act it out. I'll try a path of comfort that's not best for me. So some of you, you've been hurting maybe for many years. There's things that happened when you were growing up, or maybe your parents divorced. Maybe you were abused. Maybe you were hurt by something somebody said recently, and you haven't been able to let it go, and you hurt deeply, but you didn't know how to grieve healthy. You didn't know how to grieve well in that situation. So you just kind of pushed it down or stuffed it down, and you never grieved over your hurt. And you need to go back, and you need to grieve over it. Why? Because if you don't grieve the losses of your life, you get stuck at that stage of life. Think about it. You meet somebody, they tell you their story. They tell you their story of pain. They tell you what happened. It's still right there, that moment. After pastoring for many years, I've met people, really, really good people, who each have a story about how a leader hurt them or disappointed them in some way. And so they withdraw. They take their foot off the pedal. They look for a place to kind of cocoon and protect themselves, to adjust their passion level now, 
kind of lower their expectations because now they have it all figured out. But in doing this, they pay a price, and the price is this. They are now stuck, stuck at the moment of their hurt. And they stop growing, and they stop producing, and they live in the land of almost, almost engaged, but not fully. Almost passionate again about God, but now I've learned some things. They're almost supportive, but when you actually ask for help, oh, I'm too busy, I got this going. I, I want to act like I'm supportive, but I'm really not available. Almost happy. Almost healthy. I was in Pete's Coffee this week, and the barista guy was so happy, I just knew he was on drugs. It was like, you can't sustain that level of whatever you're doing behind there. It's just not real, right? Jesus said, happy, blessed are those who face their pain and mourn, who talk about it, who work through it, who have a desire to heal from it. This is one of the most important things you're ever going to learn. When you don't grieve, when you don't go through the grief, when pain happens in your life and you push it down, you get stuck emotionally at that stage. And you spend the rest of your life reacting to something that happened a while back or a long time ago, and you begin projecting it onto the people that are now around you. They see you as that person, that leader. The deception is you think that all hurt is the same and all people are the same and all leaders are the same and all adults and parents are the same. When you go through loss in life, you lose a job, you lose a friend, you lose a deal, you lose something in your life that you're hoping would happen and something you had, you lost it, you can either mourn or you can moan. And moaning is negative. Moaning is a pity party. David said this in Psalm 39, verse 2, I was silent and I held my peace to no avail. My distress only grew worse. You just, you meet people and, and the moaning just kind of leaks out in different ways. People who have unresolved hurt or pain, they moan to other people. You cannot heal by repressing or suppressing, and oftentimes, you'll not heal until you go and talk it out. That's God's way. And as brave and courageous as we all think we are and righteous as we all think we are, the, probably the number one thing that we've all violated is when we're hurt by somebody, we don't go and talk to them. We just think we know exactly what they said, we know exactly what they did, we know all the truth. And as you get older in life, you begin to understand, you know what? That's not even true. I, I, I didn't even hear what my wife said in the car on the way here, let alone remember it accurately. Humility. A lot of people think, I'm just going to get over this grief. No, you're not. Not if it's serious, you're not. If you're married for a certain number of years and then you go through a divorce, you don't just get over it. You've given your life to someone. If you have a loved one, a husband or a wife or a child who dies, you don't just get over it. You can't go over grief. You can't go under grief. You can't go around grief. You have to go through grief. That's how you heal. And Jesus knew this. And Jesus said, blessed, happy are those who mourn. They will be comforted. Let God help. Let God comfort. Most of us, 
The minute the stress gets too high, we go to whatever our go-to is, whatever our pathway of comfort is. The idea of going to our devotions at that moment, getting out the Bible. No, I don't want to get out the Bible. I want a hot fudge Sunday. I mean, give me a break here, right? The idea of getting all spiritual in this moment. I don't want to get all spiritual in this moment. I don't want to be comforted. And therein lies our humanity and our nature and our struggle. So I want to give you four ways that God comforts us. You can write this down. Number one, God draws close to us. God draws close to us. Psalm 34, verse 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and He saves those whose spirits have been crushed. When you have Jesus in your life, He's close to you. God is close to the brokenhearted. God never intended you to use other paths to find comfort. So you and I, we have to relearn all this. In other words, my human nature is always present to find a different path other than God. Are you aware of that? There's two of you. You all have split personalities. I mean, I've met you. Okay, I thought that was funnier. But anyway, (laughs) I guess the bad part of you didn't like that. Anyway, there's this warring that goes on in our members. And so our nature says, I'm just going to find another way to comfort myself. But God wants to be with you. On your worst day of sinning, he wants to be with you. When my boys were younger, and not that smoking cigarettes is a sin, it's just really bad for your health. But when my boys were younger, I didn't want, to, I didn't want them smoking. I didn't want them going through that phase. I said, hey, guys, listen, if you ever want to smoke, let me know. Dad will go with you. We'll smoke. And I was praying the whole time. I hope they don't ever take me up on that because I've never smoked and I didn't want to. And I sure didn't want that habit, right? Ooh, that looks cool. Hey, there's my pastor. <laughs> you know, it's just I just didn't want to do that. But I wanted to be with them. I wanted them to know that we don't have to hide from our sin or our mistakes or our failures or the stuff that we don't think is really healthy for us, but we still do it. How much more our Heavenly Father wants to be with us? So we have this whole thing. We like do something wrong or whatever, and it's like, oh, I can't go to church. I'm all, I'm all stressed out. The very thing you need is to be with God. You're wigging out. You're stressed out. You need God. No, I don't want to go to church. Really? Like, is this stressful for you right now? I mean, look at you. Is this stressful for you? And but something big happens in our life. Oh, I can't go to church this Sunday. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Idiot. Okay. Stop that. Okay. It was the other guy. We all have two people. Okay. Moving right along. Number two, hope this isn't your first Sunday. I don't normally, I don't. I, okay. Number two, God grieves with us. Okay, in John 11, it says, when Jesus saw Lazarus' sister sobbing and saw how all those with her were crying also, his heart was touched and he was deeply moved. Then Jesus started crying. Jesus, God started crying. See how much he loved Lazarus, they said. Human beings grieve loss because God is an emotional God. Not all emotions are bad. God grieves, God weeps, God cares, God weeps over all the inhumane things that people do to other human beings. In fact, God foresaw all of that. Jesus foresaw all the evil that people would do, child molestation and rape and hideous, horrible things that people would do. And Jesus said, I want to deal with all of that. I want to I want to make a way of escape from all of that. He says, I'm going to take all evil, all sin upon myself on the cross. I'm going to let my creation torture me to death. 
so that I can create an eternal safe place once and for all for all children. And we're all children. Jesus is called in Scripture a man of sorrows because he knows our pain. And he grieves with us. Grief is actually an evidence of love. The more you love, the more you grieve with someone else. If you're apathetic, if you're callous, you don't have any love, you don't really care. Guys in general are not very good at grieving because we don't like to feel much. Like, I'm a happy guy. We don't really like negative feelings. You know, we really don't want to talk about it all, ladies, you know, about the negative. We're uncomfortable around too much sorrow. And, and, you know, it's like, and one of the first things that parents do to little boys is stop your crying. You know, for a man to show emotion is not weakness. It's, it, it's actually a sign of strength. Weak, weak men are scared of their emotions. Weak men are afraid of their tears. It just freaks them out because it, it scares them. For guys, you know, like for guys, a good firm handshake and a look in the eye, that's like an emotional moment for us. Like, I just really put myself out there, man. You know? Or like a hug, the way we hug, it's kind of like three pats and then you break. Hey, man, boom, 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 hey. All right? If you hang on too long, it's a little awkward. You know, we're not into that too much. I have a friend of mine. He's a great, great guy. He did all the Disneyland stuff up in our kids' ministry that we have. He's a great guy. He just likes to hug guys and hang on just to freak them out. He's just a funny guy that way, you know. We're like, okay, okay, I've had enough of that. All right. Jesus was the strongest man whoever lived on earth, and he cried. And he cried deeply. Right emotions, when released, help free you and heal you. A lot of ladies know this better than guys, but sometimes it's just a good cry is a good thing. Number three, God gives us a church family to support us. Romans 12, in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to the others. Be devoted to each other like a loving family. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. I long to go to this kind of church. I'd like to go to this kind of church. I think a lot of us are fairly good, depending on your family system, at loving your family and being really connected to your family and calling and doing this and all that kind of stuff. But to actually have a church family where you take the time to spend with one another and connect with one another, you see, God knew something that we all need to learn. Healing comes in groups. Healing comes in communities. When you're in pain, the worst thing you can do is isolate yourself in depression or isolate yourself from other people. You cannot heal yourself. So the idea that I'm just going to go away by myself and lick my wounds, that's great if you're a dog, but you're not. You need other people. The whole Bible is about one word, relationship. Our relationship with God and our relationship with one another. And God knew that sharing our story with one another, we just like, wow, you went through that? I went through that. And we feel encouraged. We don't feel alone when we hear someone else's story. I've said this a hundred times, so I won't go into detail, but everybody needs a, a home church. For us here at Brave, a home church isn't like another good idea and, hey, why don't, why don't you do this, you know? No, home church is, is everything. It's the root system of our church family. It's how we weather every storm together because we actually have relationship together. All kinds of common, what I call common care counseling 
happens in home churches among supportive friends. Man, you're dealing with that? I'm dealing with that too. Or here's what I did. Or here's what, what happened to me. You need them for nothing else to help you move someday. <laughs> okay. All right. First Thessalonians 5 verse 11. Comfort each other and give each other strength. You're here. And you're either going through pain yourself right now and you need comfort. You will not get it in a row. You might get lucky in the lobby. But if you're in pain right now and you need to talk this week, go to a home church. You'll find a whole lot of people that are willing to do that. You'll be absolutely amazed, right? But the idea that somehow by coming here, I'm now comforted in all the ways that I need comfort. No, we need each other. Others of you are here, and man, your life's great right now. You don't need comfort. You're ready to give comfort. And you need to go to a home church to give it. Quit looking at a home church about what it does for you. Quit looking at this church about what it does for you. Grow up. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to segue from that. (laughs) Number four, God uses our pain to help others. There is a purpose in your pain. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 4, God comforts us all in our troubles, so that we can comfort others with the same comfort we receive from God. Who better to help the mother of a special needs child than another mother of a special needs child? Who better to help somebody who's lost a son or daughter than somebody who's lost a son or daughter? Who can better help somebody who's gone through the pain of addiction or a marriage failure or molestation or any of the other evils in the world than somebody else who's gone through it too. Chances are you're not going to discover that out in the parking lot. It's just a little awkward. Hi, I was molested. See you later. (laughs) What? I don't think we want to go here, Mildred. I don't think Mildred even goes here. But anyway, your greatest contribution will come out of your deepest hurt if you're willing to help others. People are more impressed with how we handle our failures than our successes because not everyone can enjoy your success. Whatever your success is in business and life and creativity or whatever it is that you're like really good at, chances are I'm probably not good at that. I can't enjoy your success, but we can always identify with one another's pain. Blessed are those who mourn, who tell others, who help others get through it. Bottom line, we're in a broken world, so every day, nothing works perfectly. That means every day, you either need comfort or you need to comfort someone else. But you're going to have to get unstuck in your own hurt and pain to comfort other people. You're going to have to heal and let that go to move on. Right now, you're in one of two categories. Right now, you're either needing help because you're in really bad pain and I'm glad you're here, or you need to be accessible to help others. And you know what? Maybe God wants you to do both at the same time. If you wait until you're completely healed to help other people, you're going to wait a long time because there's just layers to our pain. And most people are hurt. Their first reaction is to withdraw from other people as if that's some kind of healthy or noble thing to do. God says, lean into it. Confess your faults one to another that you may be healed. God says, mourn together. 
There's an interesting book in the Old Testament, the book of Nehemiah, and it's about a whole group of people that had literally had lost everything, their homes, their city, everything was crumbled, everything was lost. And the way they healed is they began to work on a wall, one stone at a time, rebuilding their lives together in the book of Nehemiah. There we find God's principle for how to heal in a healthy way. It's not isolation. It's not withdrawing. It's moving towards one another and saying, hey, man, did, I went through that too. Hey, hand me that rock over there. Hey, let's get some mortar. Let's mix this. Hey, did you go through that? Yeah, I've, I've been through that too. We need conversation. If you're going through a rough time right now, the Bible says comfort one another and give each other comfort. We're supposed to help one another. We want to help one another. Whatever is causing your mourning, mourning over loss or mourning over sin, you need to talk about it because the love of God is here for you and we're here for you. I'd like to ask uh, Terry Sorensen, one of our elders, to, to close this time in prayer together and then Jake's going to lead us or Brandon in some worship. Hey, Barry family, let's uh, bow our heads in prayer. Dear Lord, just um, please forgive our sins, Father. First step, forgive our sins, Father. And then uh, that we do that mourning process, Father, that uh, when things are bad, we would turn to you, turn to our family here, and uh, go through that mourning process. Thank you for our, our uh, home churches that uh, we can share those times and, and uh, work through those things together. Uh, be with us, this uh, brave family, and uh, help us all look to each other and, and share life together and, and do our mourning together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for loving us. The brave church said,